Well, this morning we are going to continue in our Easter series that's called From Death to Life. And today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about kind of the aspect of thinking eternally, okay? And I'll describe a little bit more what I mean by that in a moment, but one of the things we have to realize is that all of our hope is not found just in this physical life. It's not found just in this physical life and the things that we see around us, yet we live life very often as if that's the truth, right? That the things that we see, the things that we touch, that that's, that's what we hold on to. That's what life is all about for us. It's about getting up in the morning. It's about going to work. It's about coming home. It's about our, it's about our you know, getting a great meal. It's about our hobbies. It's about our family. It's about those kinds of things. And those things are great. But life is more than just this physical world that we see and that we, that we touch. It seems like you know, it's easy to kind of go down this road because it, uh, it appears more real to us even than, than the spiritual realm, okay? It's more visible. And though, and we, we, we talk about this many times, though we cannot see God, though we cannot see the Holy Spirit, His presence, it doesn't mean that He's not here with us, does it? The Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, what? Anybody know? He's here. Where two or three are gathered in His name, there I am in the midst of you. But as we go through the days, you know, tomorrow's Monday, it's back to work, it's back to, back to school, right? Until spring break anyway. And that's what we focus on. That's what we get caught up in. We get caught up in this physical world and we have a difficult time thinking with an eternal mindset. When I was in middle school, my, my grandma would talk a lot about going to heaven. She'd talk a lot about the Lord coming back and how excited that she would be for that day. And I've shared this before, but for me at that time as a middle schooler, I wasn't so thrilled about God coming back secretly. I kept that to myself because, you know what, I want to get my license at this point. I want to learn how to, what it's like to drive. I want to go to school. I want to get married. I want to experience all these kind of things. I wasn't ready for the Lord to come back. To me, that seemed like, you know, it wasn't going to be as fun. You know, because there's a lot of stuff here that I haven't experienced, and I didn't kind of have that eternal mindset. I didn't really understand the joy really in life and knowing that God's presence was with me at the same time and what that meant. All for me, it was about, you know, the license, the stuff, the, the cool things that were coming you know, as a kid, you're looking forward to different ages because you can do different things. And you're a certain age, you can drive and get a job. You can, you can go to school, all this kind of stuff. But life is more than that. We have to, we continually fight against that, it seems. We want to make life about that stuff rather than what it's really about. It's so much deeper and so much richer than we often think. It's more than going to school. It's more than going to work. It's more than our hobbies. It's about a life that is given through Jesus Christ. It's about a life that's given through God, our Creator, the one who made everything. And life, and I've said this over and over and over at Real Life, does not make sense without God. You remove God from the equation, nothing makes 
sense. And so we need to have this eternal mindset. What if you went through the week at your job, at all these things going on with that understanding that the Holy Spirit, that God Himself is with you? The life is more than that frustrating moment that you're going to face next when that particular client comes in or that phone call you have to make or that next task you have to do or you've got to go to math class and you hate it or whatever it is. It's bigger and it's so much grander than that. So at this time as a middle schooler, I just didn't have an understanding of spiritual things. I was a Christian, I was following Jesus, but there was, there was that understanding that I wasn't quite grasping. I didn't have a clear understanding of what, what eternal life really meant. What is it going to take for us to really have the perspective that we need to really understand what it is to have the kind of life that we're talking about. There are certain things that, that get in our way of having an eternal perspective and living life to the point that we realize God truly is number one and it's really all about Him and not about ourselves and not about just the things that we see and touch, okay? There are things that, that get in the way, and we're going to talk about some stuff that, that has to be overcome, okay? Now, as we, we think about Scripture, we're going to look at a, a bunch of different places here this morning. And if you guys have your Bibles or you have your, your phone apps, if you want to get that out in front of you, that's going to be pretty cool to have with you. I'm going to have some stuff up on the screen. I want to read a, I want to read a quote to you, and this is, uh, Justin, everything is probably all over the place back there. But if you can find a quote, it's going to be towards the bottom. It's by a guy named Jim Elliott. Anybody ever heard of Jim Elliott? Yeah. Jim Elliott was a missionary... He was a guy who um, went with about five other missionaries to this far-off place to, to tell Jesus, uh, to share Jesus with his tribe. And one of the things that happened when they were there, this, this tribe didn't know anything about Christ. They spent a lot of time trying to learn their language, and it was a very violent tribe of, of people. And so when they first got there, they just kind of started from flying over with a plane, and they had a, uh, just kind of shouted out things to them and dropped baskets of goodies to try to kind of say, hey, we're not here to hurt you, we're not here to harm you, we want to be friends. And eventually, they ended up building a, an area, kind of a station, not too far away from the village, hoping eventually that they would kind of begin to gain a relationship with these people. But what had happened as they were there, is that one of the guys, a couple of people came over from the tribe where they were, and the Jim Elliott and others actually ended up took, took, taking one of the, uh, the people from this tribe up in a plane. Took him up in a plane, and so he was excited about that, and so they thought, man, we're making some, some real progress here. But what actually happened later on is that same guy went back to the other tribe and told the tribe that, that the missionaries actually had evil intentions for whatever reason. Of course, they didn't. But within that, 
next week or whenever it was, about 10 warriors, they said, came over to where they were with spears and ended up killing Jim Elliott and the other missionaries that were with him except for one guy. Now, see, Jim knew about this possibility even before he went because this tribe was known for, for their violence. Yet his mindset, because life is truly about Christ, the life is all about the Lord, he had no fears in going. And one of the things that he wrote in his journal, apparently while he was there, before he was killed, was this. He says that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. For him, his life was, it was just a thing, you know. Everyone's going to die. We don't like to think about that, okay. <laughs> but that's the truth. Everyone's going to die. But what is it that you cannot lose? And what he was talking about was eternal life. He was talking about his relationship with God. And so one of the things that, that, that Jim understood that I think that we need to understand too is that life, what, what if we had that same mindset? We're willing to give up anything as long as Christ is number one. We can't lose that. And so Jim, knowing that, having that understanding, didn't have the same kind of fears that we face. You know, living for Christ, being a, being a Christian in our society isn't too tough compared to some other places. But what if we lived a life without fear? For us, even when I was a teenager, I was always worried about even what other people thought about me at school, you know? What thing you think? Jeremy and I had a great discussion with a, a great hobby he's involved, involved in about just the people that he's with and their perspective on Christianity is a whole lot different than his. A lot of people that don't believe in God altogether, don't, you know, agnostic, atheists. To be in that situation is tough. I applaud you for standing strong. You know, that's a challenge. Life in, in so many facets is a challenge. And one of the things that we face that we have to overcome to really have an eternal perspective is fear. We need to overcome fear. Now, I want to just give you a couple of verses here that come uh, from 2 Timothy 1.7. If you want to turn there, that's a great passage in particular about fear I want us to look at. 2 Timothy 1.7. Second Timothy 1 7 says, For for God gave us a spirit not of what? Not of fear, but instead, I love this, but of power and love and self-control. Spirit of power, love, and self-control, not a spirit of fear. Another passage. As well, great passage from uh, the book of Joshua. Turn back to the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua 1, 9 says this. God's talking to Joshua and says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong. And courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you believe that? You know, it's one thing to, to hear these scriptures, to grow up hearing this stuff. It's another thing to actually live it out. You know, to be a guy like Jim Elliott who walks into those scenarios unafraid, knowing that God's with him. It's one thing to talk about, right? It's another thing to do. Living with an eternal perspective gets your mind in the right place to say that, no, that the things that I do are going to be done for Him and not for myself. They're going to be done for His glory and not for mine. If we're going to have an eternal perspective, we have to allow the Lord to help us to overcome any kinds of fears that we place. We do a lot of stupid things sometimes because of fear, don't we? Worried about what people think, fear of what if I lose my job, what if you know I'm not going to talk to this person, about Jesus because what ifs, the what ifs and what could happen. And, you know, there's so many different kinds of things that we allow fear to control us, don't we? But that's not how it's supposed to be. So we need to, to be able to overcome fear. Another thing we need to be able to overcome are, are I would say, temp- temporary desires, okay? Temporary desires that get in the way. I'm going to look at Romans chapter 13. Verses 13 through 14. I'm never going to be faster than the computer unless Justin's trying to hunt things down or I sometimes don't even have it in there. Did you find it? All right, cool. So Romans 13, I'm going to look up here because it's a little bigger for me. It says, let us walk properly as in the daytime. You don't think about this in Scripture very often, but it's pretty, pretty strong here. Not in, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So it's a matter of choosing, matter of choosing to honor God rather than these other desires. One of the things that has to be overcome for us to have an eternal perspective is to realize that there are more important things when it comes to serving the Lord than the stuff that we have desires or longings for. And I'm not just talking about these obviously sinful things, but there's all kinds of things that we want that get in the way, that battle against honoring God. Not just the the sexual stuff that's, that's mentioned here, but finances even, just money. What is it that people do just for the sake of money, just for the sake of having money to... We, 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 a lot of Americans' lives are wrapped up in all kinds of pursuits so that we have more money because money to us is freedom. It's fun. We can do all kinds of stuff with it, blah, blah, blah. And money becomes higher than our desire for the Lord. It becomes higher than what he, would call, what he would have us do, how He would have us live. It becomes greater. And so overcoming fear to have an eternal mindset, overcoming temporary desires, things that, that don't last, right? There's a passage we'll, we'll read here in a moment that will kind of shed some light on that. 
But in addition to, to money, over, there's another thing that needs to be overcome, and that's our need for, for earthly accomplishments. What's life really all about for you? What's life about? For people, a lot of people, it's getting more money so you can get stuff, so you can retire, so you can chill out, you know. For some people, though, it's, it's about accomplishing things. Before I die, I want to have done this. Not many people have just lists, what they call the bucket list. You ever heard of this? You know? Yeah. And so the bucket list of things is all the stuff I want to do before I die. If I can accomplish these things, check off these boxes. If I've done those things, then I have what? I have really lived. If I've done those things, if I go to Europe one day or to Paris, if I, if I have, you know, bungee jumped, if I've, you know, I don't know. You guys have who knows what. If I've created a successful business, if I've, um, you know, climbed to uh, the top of, you know, this mountain, I'm a climber, or, you know, uh, for, you know, for me, uh, you know, if I've collected the, the coolest cigars or, you know, I've written some, a great song or I've, whatever it is, all kinds of accomplishments. And there's, so for some people, it's not necessarily about money, it's about accomplishment. I want to be able to have said I've done these things or I've accomplished these things or, you know, in, in business, I've, I've gotten to this level in my job. I've, you know, I started here, you know, started at this place as a teenager, but now I'm running the place. You know, now I'm a big wig in the place. And that feels like that's what life's about, right? Great accomplishments. What will people have said about what I have accomplished, what I've done? And for some people, it's sports, you know. I get to this point, you know, then I will have really done it. If I make it one day to uh, the National Football League, if I play in the major leagues, you know, if I do these certain things, I will have made it. I will have come to the top of my game. There's nothing wrong with having aspirations like that with having those kinds of desires to accomplish some great things, as long as they're in perspective with what life is really all about, right? Because without Jesus, none of that stuff matters to begin with. But is life about accomplishments? Is that what it's about? Or is it about the Lord? What really is life about? We wrestle with that kind of thing all the time. That's what I'm talking about when it talks about having an eternal perspective. There's a passage that comes out of Luke chapter 12 that we've read before that I want you to check out to, to explain what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 12 verses 15 through 21. I'm in the wrong spot. Here we go. 12, 15 through 21. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. That's a fun word to say. Say that with me. Covetousness. It's easy to get tongue-tied with that. What is that? It's a big fancy religious word. What does it mean? So want stuff, right? Anybody want anything? Yeah, let's be honest, right? It depends on the moment, you know. Some of you are thinking, I am hungry. I could just go for some pizza right now, okay? I could covet some pizza. Or I want that person's house instead of mine. I want that person's car. I want that person's golf game. 
I want that person's, you know, I want the ability to do this. I really, you know, just wanting stuff, this desire. And Jesus says to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Because when you want stuff, you do stupid things sometimes, don't you? You ever done something stupid because you really wanted something? This morning, we, we're not really, really sure. David came in here this morning, and the back door back there is busted open. Glass, psh, somebody tried to break in here or something last night. Somebody wanted something in here bad enough that they were willing to kick in, break in, throw a cinder block through a glass door. You do stupid things when you want stuff. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. All right? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life's not about the stuff you have. It's just not. Life's also not about the stuff that, that you've accomplished, as we mentioned earlier. It's not about those things. It doesn't consist in the abundance of, of possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I am just so stinking successful. What am I going to do? You know, I got all, I have done really well. And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I got so much stuff. I'm just going to build bigger barns. You know, where are we going to put all this cool stuff? Anybody collect anything? Anybody collectors of stuff? Anybody? Nobody collects things? Knickknacks? Collect different things, you know? You get a certain amount of stuff, and like, oh, gosh, honey, I, I need to buy this other thing because I have more stuff to put here, you know? And for ladies, you know, it could be different. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm going to get in trouble. Clothes, shoes. We need a, another closet. We need bigger closets for things. For me, it's cigars. I, honey, I need a bigger humidor to hold more of these things. That's like, when are you ever going to have time to smoke all this stuff? When are you going to ever have time to wear all these clothes and these shoes? You know, I will find a way. I will find a way. And, and it's funny because you ever been depressed? And, and when you're depressed, what do you want to do sometimes? For me, you know, it's probably I want to get something to eat. For me, it's like, and that just goes quick, you know? Or sometimes... And it's not just ladies. You know, if you're depressed, how many of you ladies or people, it's not just ladies, like to go shopping, want to go spend some money on something? We say shopping, we think clothes. I'm not just talking about that. I mean, you want to spend money on something. Does it make you feel better to buy something? Yeah? Come on, be honest this morning. Good grief. Yeah. If you go and buy something sometimes, right, it's like, I got a new whatever. Something about the new shiny aspect of things. Or, you know, opening up, you know, the silliest thing, and it's not silly, but it's funny, on YouTube is to go and to watch people unbox something new that they bought. You ever done that? You're like, ooh, you know, or like, you know, I get the newest iPhone, and Dennis is like, I want, I want, I want to watch, you know, open it up. Ooh, look at this. Oh, and they've got a cord in there that does this. And they, you know, or, you know, the, the coolest thing you're into, and it's like the unboxing of what's all in there. It's amazing how exciting that is, right? 
you know, or if it's a new car. Some people, you know, they just want to, they just like to go and sit down in it and look at all the gadgets and see what it could do. It's to put your hands on the wheel and imagine, you know, just life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And sometimes when we're depressed, though, we want to spend some money, we want to do some things, it's kind of going back towards that, that we think life is found, I'll feel better if I buy something. I'll feel better if I go out to eat. I'll feel better if we go on a trip somewhere. We really need a trip to go somewhere. I'll feel better if I do this. Is life about those things? Or is that really just a distraction? Because it only lasts a little while. Those shoes get old, you know? The cigars go up in smoke. You know, the car breaks down. The trip is over. How did, how did a week go by so stinking fast? And so there's this, this back and forth. Is life about that? Is it about this stuff? Or is it about the Lord? Real, lasting life, is it, it only comes from Him. It doesn't come from stuff. And so this guy is like, he's got a bunch of stuff. So much stuff, he has to build more barns. And it says in verse 19, And I will say to my soul, I love how the Bible does this, I'll say to my soul, soul? Lance? Say to myself, Lance, Lance, yes, he's talking to himself. Say to myself, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now you can relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Right? You got everything you could possibly need. But God said to him, fool, <coughs> this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Tonight you're going to die. And then what? All this great stuff that you've cared about. You know, there's no one else in my family that likes, I don't know why I'm talking about cigars this morning. This is silly. No one else in my family that likes that stuff. What are they going to do with it? Toss it? Who cares, right? You know, what am I going to do with the big boxes of shoes? Women's clothing. It's gone or it's, you know, selling it on you know, for sale or wanted. eBay. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? It doesn't matter. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All that stuff goes away, but there's only one thing that lasts forever. It's our relationship with the Lord. So, a couple of passages that we're going to wrap up here with, and it's in 1 Corinthians, <coughs> excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16. We're going to look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So 15, 16 through 20. One of the reasons we're talking about from death to life is the life that we're talking about is something that's eternal. It's something that's lasting. This is part of our preparation for Easter because what is Easter about? 
It's about the resurrection of Christ from the dead, right? It's about life. It's about real life. It's about lasting life. And so what we find here, this is an interesting thing. Why, why is a resurrection important, and what does it have to do with this? Okay? And so in 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 20, it says, For Paul is talking, and he says, Some people are saying the resurrection isn't real. But he says this, For If the dead are not raised, then Christ wouldn't be raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is, is futile, and you're still in your sins. There's a problem here if this isn't real. He says, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If, we, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If it's just about this life and that's it, there's, man, that's depressing. But it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, he's the very first one to truly be raised from the dead. Jesus first, and then guess what? Guess who else will be raised from the dead if they believe in Christ? We will as well. There's a resurrection from the dead. It's really important, the whole aspect of the resurrection. Let's go on. We're going to skip down later on in the same chapter in verses, chapter 15, verse 50. He says, I, <coughs> I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. It says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is is not in vain. Well, that's a mouthful, I'm sure, right? But what it's saying is that we will one day raise from the dead as well. And that's, that's just hard to comprehend. We don't want to think about dying to begin with. <laughs> but we'll be with the Lord. We will be with Him. And it says that basically the things that we do for Christ last forever. They last for eternity. The question that I really kind of have this morning as we think about we think about life and what really matters is do we have that eternal perspective? Do we think about just about what we see around us? Do we just think about today? Or do we think about eternity? 
See, everlasting life, when, when you read that in Scripture, let's, let's, the most common passage that we read, let's look at it, John 3.16, right? You can already quote it in your head, right? For God, I'm going to read it out of a different version because I've got another one memorized. For, this is an ESV. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. Everlasting life. Life that never ends. But you know, when we, we see that phrase in our minds, what we automatically do is replace it with a different word. Heaven. Does everlasting life begin when you're in heaven? When does it begin? Good question, huh? You're like, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, you said no, Justin, so when does it begin? When you become a believer. Everlasting life starts then. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you experience real life, and it begins then, and it will go for all of eternity. We shall be with the Lord forever. When it says eternal life in Scripture, it's not and it's not just to be replaced and say just heaven. Heaven is the, is the realm where God dwells. It's where He is, okay? And it's not necessarily up. We have this mentality that it's up. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that, and we'll read some more Scripture and we'll be done. In the Old Testament, some of you are going through the Bible in a year, some of you are going through the New Testament in a year, but in the Old Testament... It's really some really cool stuff going on, okay? In the Old Testament, what, it, what happens is we find this, that there's this tent being built, and then eventually the tent is replaced with the temple in the Old Testament. And there's this outer court, this area outside. There's an inner court. And then there's a place that is called the Holy of Holies. Say that with me. Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the place which held what? The Ark of the Covenant. And they said in the Ark of the Covenant that the the second Ten Commandments, the the first ones were broke, right? If you remember. But the second ones were placed in there. Some of the manna that the people ate in the wilderness, the bread that God provided, was placed in there. And, And on the top... It says that there is two angels facing each other. And in between that area where the angels were, that literally God's presence dwelled with the people of Israel. And in the Holy of Holies, it was that area was separated by this huge thick cloth, okay? This this veil. We read about this veil in the Old Testament, we read about it in the New Testament. But essentially, that place in the Holy of Holies was where heaven and earth met. It was where God and the physical reality of the things we see around us came together. If they wanted to see the Lord, it wasn't a matter of going up to heaven. It wasn't a matter of having to wait until they died to be with God. He was there. The temple was a place, literally, where heaven and earth met, where God and earth met, right? 
We learn a lot from the Old Testament when we begin to understand the New Testament. So it wasn't as if when Moses literally met and talked with God on a daily basis, it says to the point that his face glowed just from being in his presence. Now what happened when Jesus died on the cross was that veil that we just described, what? It was torn. And it's interesting that it wasn't torn from the bottom up. It was torn from the top down, which means God himself tore it. And something literally happened when Christ died on the cross for our sins. That veil was torn and the separation between us and Him is removed. There's something very powerful and significant about that fact. Everlasting life, life with God, if, if the temple was a place where heaven and earth met in the Holy of Holies, and that veil has been torn, where now can you meet with the Lord. Everywhere. It's not just, it wasn't just in the Holy of Holies. The Bible says, or two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of them. Spiritual things and physical things now, it's not this separation. We don't have to wait until we go to heaven to experience spiritual things, to experience the presence of God. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, it's not something in the future. It's something because of Jesus' work on the cross that has already begun. And when he talks about eternal life, it begins now. Put that in perspective of these passages and we'll be done today. Romans 6, 23, right? Very familiar verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can live a joyful, happy, fulfilled life right now. The Lord's going to come and, and get rid of a lot of junk and, and get set this world straight. But that doesn't mean as believers that we don't have access to that joy and that eternal life, that fulfilling aspect of all that He, ha all that he is right now. Free gift of God, eternal life. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, <clears throat> whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has... Is it up there? I guess I must not have put it in there. He has eternal life. That's your line, eternal life, okay? He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Pretty awesome. Galatians 6, 7 through 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit well, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. You got, you got your line. Thanks, Evie. It is up there. So one person's talking. Eternal life. Let's try that. Yeah. 
Gosh, you guys stink. Come on, try it again. Thank you. Making this so difficult. I'm going to give you the mic. Just kidding. All right. So, one last verse. We're going to go to John chapter 5. Verses 28 through 29, it says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The Lord is the one who gives real life. It's the one that gives everlasting life. Not just in the future, but right now. He's brought us from, from death to life. He is a source of life. He is a source of joy. He's a, he's a source of all our hope. He's everything. As you get ready for Easter, as you consider the week that's ahead, rather than focusing on the physical things and the, the desire for stuff and accomplishments and all this other kind of stuff we see around us, how about go through this week having an eternal perspective? Go through this week having the mindset that God is literally in your presence. He is with us. That's what the Bible teaches. The Holy Spirit of God we've talked about in the last month, indwells us. And that's a mystery that's hard to fathom, to understand, but He is with you. Wherever you go. It's exciting and scary and confusing and, you know, but it's true. The life, the joy that He gives, He's with you. Power and strength, the Bible teaches that rose Him from the grave is with you. Let's, let's continue to think and to have an eternal perspective on the things that really matter, that things are bigger and greater than what we see. You all pray with me? Stand, you stand and pray with me? Lord, we, um, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you today the opportunity to, to read your word, the opportunity to get together with other believers. Lord, we thank you for um, the family you've given us together. Thank you for the love that you show us. Lord, we pray that, um, that we would see this life the way that you do, or that we realize that, that you're with us as we go throughout the week. Lord, that you are truly the most important thing. Lord, as we consider uh, Easter is not far away, Lord, help us to, to really um, celebrate even now what that means. Lord, that you've given us a brand new life. The old is gone and that the new has come. Lord, help us to understand um, what the resurrection means. We thank you for our forgiveness. We thank you for our new life. Lord, help us to have an eternal perspective. Help us to remember what's truly valuable, what truly matters, what's most important. We love you. 
We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I appreciate you all being here this morning. Um, Don't forget, in the back, uh, we have an opportunity to sign up for the Passover picnic. It can be some fun, fun stuff. If you guys want to bring something, you have an opportunity to. There's even recipes there. Um, Again, the Thursday prior to Easter, which I believe is the 29th. I think that's the right date. Thank you. So um, sign up to bring something. You guys have a good day.